Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome into another edition of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, and we are once again doing a podcast takeover episode as we are out at Laurelwood Brewing Woo-hoo. this week. Uh, they're northeast uh, sound sandy location which is the one that i've been to many times before and uh, i'm happy to be out here this place kind of has a little a little part of my heart because uh, my wife used to work out here so we would occasionally meet for lunch and we'd come here pretty frequently this is one of the first breweries i ever went to when living in portland really yep because i mean these guys have been here on sandy for a very long time you used to be able to, I don't know if, you, I'm, I'm sure you probably still can, but you used to be able to come in here and buy kegs if you wanted, and this was like one of the first like breweries I was like, oh, what's a growler? And they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, you fill this giant glass bottle full of beer, and I was like, and then you take it home? That sounds awesome. Well, just and, young, like young and dumb and not really knowing what's going on. So what's interesting, and, and we're going to get to the food and the beer we've got both in front of us right now, we've got an interview coming up as well, so plenty of stuff coming up on the podcast, and uh, let me just tease the usual stuff. Social media, I'm Mike Lynch, 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. That's where you can find us most regularly. Uh, we post this on Radio.com, iTunes, Google Play, 1080thefan.com, Stitcher is where you can find the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever it is that you listen. We appreciate all the love that you've been giving us so far. It's been great. Uh, I saw a couple more reviews on iTunes today. Oh, so, uh, holla. I'm, uh, very, thank you for, for reviewing. It is, it is helpful to us for sure. I'm still waiting on the mass explanation as to why we suck. Mm. Like, with details and examples, please tell me. But still rate five stars, but you can tell us why we suck. Exactly. Yeah, because the one star rate, eh, uh, We gonna, don't need that. We don't it's going to hurt that. the average. Yeah, we don't just know that. that if you got <laughs> issues, you let us know, and we'll make it better. So that's where you can find us, and uh, every Thursday at 4 is when we drop this bad boy. So if you're looking for it right when it drops, that's when we're going to be dropping it every single week. But uh, the, the thing about Laurelwood to me is it was one of the first places I went as well, mm-hmm. and uh, – it, it was the first place on the east side that I tried. When mm. I first moved to Portland, we lived on the west side. My wife went to school on the west side. I worked in Beaverton. I'd never really explored the east side. Yep. And the first place we came over here it was like, well, we like breweries a lot. Let's go try somewhere on the east side and uh, experiment over there because everyone's like, oh, you got to go to the east side. Everyone lives on the east side. East side's the best. East side's the common folk in Portland. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Shout out. And we were like, okay, fine. Okay, we'll go. And this was the first place we went. So it's kind of a cool memory for that too. So I met my wife for work a couple times here. This is the first place on the east side that we went. And I remember we talked about this off the podcast last week. We were just, I was asking you, I was like, okay, so what are the OG breweries, right? We have t- mm-hmm. We've done a whole podcast on that. And I was like, what is the second tier? And the first one you mentioned was Laurelwood, a.k.a. not second tier in terms of quality, but the second group that came into the city after the core five or whatever you want to say. And uh, I did not know that, and that's pretty cool. These guys have been around for a while. Yeah, it's a tier two brewery for me in the sense that once you get past kind of those OGs, then then you've got – then you've got the, the next wave of OGs, and I would say these guys are a big part of it. For me, it was really fun. I want to say, let's see, I'm trying to get my timeline together. I can't really think, but I believe what happened was before I went off to Wazoo, before I went to Washington State, I worked at this restaurant in East Vancouver, 
I was a server at this restaurant in East Vancouver, and I didn't know a ton about beer at the time because I was probably like 21, something like that. Mm. It's just kind of starting to get into it. And I worked there for a little bit, and I liked 21, the... 21, quote, unquote. No, no, I think I was 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked at the place for a little bit, and and they always had Free Range Red and Workhorse IPA on from Laurelwood. And being somebody that you know kind of liked craft beer, whenever somebody would sit down and eat food, I sold a lot of it and when i got done with my shifts i drank a lot of it and that just kind of became you know kind of my go-to this is before i really got into like manny's pale ale and stuff like that i drink in mirror pond at the time but these guys for me are yeah one of the originals the uh the other thing I, i'm curious about too and i'm going to ask uh, john our interview later about this too but i'm curious your thoughts on this how do you think and this is our first time at an OG brewery or, or a really old brewery for our Beer of the Week. How do you think these guys stay relevant when they they make their core brands and they stick to their core brands, but yet there's all these new breweries coming, every, like it seems every day, but every every month there's a new one that seems to open up and it's a new hot thing. And we've talked about a couple of them on the podcast before. How do they stay? How do they stay relevant? How do they keep growing? How do they build another location? Because they've got multiple locations, Laurelwood does. How do they expand? This place that we're at now, we're at the Sandy location, has an, an now an upstairs deck, which is fairly new, a couple years old at this point. Um, how do they keep? How do they keep going? You know, when when they have so much new, fresh competition in a world that everyone wants new, 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 new. Well, I think, I think it's a couple things. I think it's marketing. It's like we always know who these guys are. You know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna forget Laurelwood. So just because new breweries come into town. Doesn't mean I instantly, you know, for, oh, yeah, that's right. There is a Deschutes downtown, you know, so there's that. <clears throat> and also what made them popular, what made them famous in the first place are their kind of select core beers, whether it's Workhorse IPA, Free Range, Red. As long as those beers stay consistent and they are seen by the public, then it always kind of hangs around. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with people fell in love with this early and won't stop loving it and you know as long as you as long as you're continuing to make consistent product and quality beer people are going to continue to go back to you it's like i remember i've i've told this story a ton of times we were at um the OG night at at Cerveza and we were having a free range red and we were just like man this beer is great <laughs> so i think i think as long as you push yourself to not pigeonhole yourself by just saying, well, what's new, what's new, what's new? I think we see that a little too much in this town. I think that's probably my biggest complaint in the hazy world, too, is it's never anything that was cool a month ago is not cool anymore. And I think in beer, we still remember, we still respect. And as, and I think there are some OG breweries that I wish did a little more of this that I don't think they do enough of. That as we're looking at all these beers that Laurelwood is making and has put in front of us, these guys are still trying new things. They're still trying to keep themselves relevant by making small batch experimental stuff. And I think that is a huge, a huge benefit to them. Because when I go to the store, I'm always going to see, you know, the Red Elephant and, and the free and, the, you know, the, the core brands. But I need a reason to go into your pub. And you need to be consistently trying to evolve yourself and reach out to new goals and i think these guys do a very good job of it well sitting right in front of us right now is we've got all the beers that they've have on tap at the moment which is uh 12 of them 
You've got the Wood Lager, which is uh, one of their core brands. You've got the Pale Project, which according to the sheet in front of me is number 47 in the Pale Project. It's uh, Haley's Pale. You've got the number 28 Rando, which is the Disco Brew Brew Deck IPA. We've got the Workhorse IPA. We've got the Megafauna Imperial IPA, Free Range Red, Red Elephant, excuse me, IRA, Seasons Change, crazy beer, uh, Tree Hugger Porter, which is one of their core brands, the uh, Cask Peanut Butter Pretzel Porter, the Espresso Stout, and the Triple Berry Pie Winter Ale. Which is the darkest winter ale I've ever seen. Yes. And uh, it's not that dark tasting because it's got a lot of berry in it as well. Um, so that's what's in front of us right now. And they gave it to us in the in the lightest, darkest order, which I love. Which I massively appreciate. Yeah, Shout I re- out. I respect that so much. I mean, they're like the same color. It's like light colored, amber colored, dark colored. And it just helps, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you order your own sample tray and you get you choose what you want, sometimes they'll just give it to you in that order that you chose. And you're like, well, okay, I, I know which order I want to drink this in, but... It's nice that they just presented it like this to us. Yep. Um, I will start by saying this. As I continue my foray into the light beer world, I very much enjoyed the Wood Lager, which is a very simple, easy-drinking, kind of just, for lack of a better term, crisp beer. I don't really know how else to describe it. it to me, we've talked about this a couple of times now, that's a beer that you give to someone who doesn't like craft beer and says, and you say, drink this craft beer. You will like this. Um, I really like the Rando IPA as well, and the Workhorse IPA I've had before. It's one of their core beers, and I, I enjoyed that. But as someone who's trying to get into more of this light beer and enjoy it more, I really enjoyed the light tray. I know. I, I, it came first, and we've gone through all of them, and I really liked the light tray a lot. The light tray was nice, and, I mean, it's fun It's fun that we're calling it the light tray, too, despite the fact that there's a pale and two IPAs on this because I think all four of them, you know, the lager for obvious reasons, but all four of them do have lighter bodies. I mean, even the the workhorse is probably the darkest beer on this tray, and I would not say it as a heavy body, even for an IPA. It's not super malt forward. Um, it's kind of just classic. That's a classic Northwest West style IPA, West yeah. Coast IPA. And, you know, and the Rando's got a super light. I mean, the Rando has the second lightest body on this tray. The Rando to me looks more like a Kolsch than an IPA. Yeah, in right. That color, yeah. And then in the red tray, we got the Megafauna, the Free Range, the Red Elephant, and the Seasons Change. I love the Free Range Red. Yep. I really do. I've gotten it in bottles many times. I've gotten it on tap many times. And it, it was it, I haven't had it in a while, so drinking it today was kind of like this reawakening of like, oh, that's right. I like this beer a lot, and I should get it more often. And I guess and that's kind of why I asked the question is, mm-hmm. how do you stay relevant? Because we all know we like the beers that we like, but... You're so used to like, oh, we got to try this, we got to try this, this is new, this is new, this is new. But you kind of are like, oh, yeah, that's right, I love Free Range Red. Sometimes it takes like going over to a buddy's house that just buys at Safeway, you know, that doesn't really seek like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just is like, oh, yeah, I like reds and that one's at Safeway. And then you go over <laughs> to your house and you're like, Free Range Red? Hey, man, can I have this? And he's like, yeah, dude, I told you you can have a beer. And you're like, awesome, thanks, man. And then you like pour it in a glass or drink it from the bar, and you're like, oh, man, I love this beer. And they're just looking at you like you're crazy. It's just such a – I think that's one of the best reds in the city, to be completely honest with you. I, cause I, easy. As someone who – easy, like don't say that, or easy? No, is. easy, like for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, I agree. Because that to me is uh, – it's one of the first reds that I tried, but I – when I first started drinking craft beer, I went reds always because it was easy. It was approachable for me. We talked about that before. And trying this today, it stands so far above the other reds that we've had. Yeah. Um, that I've had. It's just 
It's sweet, but it's easy. There's a little caramel in it. There's a good malt in it. There's a lot of good going on in that beer. I, I am not a fan of the red ale. Full disclosure. Not my favorite thing. I like hoppy reds. I think we've talked about this in the past. Um, I like like IRAs. I'm down with IRAs. I don't mind malt build. The reds just have a flavor profile that I don't enjoy. And I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to think of reds that I can consistently get that are true reds and not hoppy reds. And, yeah, this is easily, in my opinion, the best red. And the fact that this is one of their flagship beers and in today's market is still a flagship beer, I think that's impressive. And the seasons change, which I mentioned briefly, is on this tray as well. So if you read the list, the, the beer list, the seasons change. I'll, I'll just, frankly, I'll just read it to you because you need to hear what it is. This unique beer has been aging for over a year in rum and whiskey barrels and conditioned on cocoa nibs from Ecuador, a blend of South American coffee, vanilla from Madagascar, and a secret blend of spices. This decadent ale has many layers and is carefully crafted to indulge now or a seller later to enjoy. You would think that beer would be like jet black right this beer is it's like red it's a red amber yeah, it's a caramel color caramel color and it tastes like vanilla and chocolate and a little a little bit of like a, a little hop in there mm-hmm. and it's it's all over the place it's a crazy beer yeah this is this has been really cool we have four eight twelve beers uh in front of us and i mean i don't think any of them we've come across been like Ugh. no no, no, definitely not. I don't like that. And, I mean, that, that that's that's kind of part of when you've been brewing. I mean, I can't remember how long these guys have been around, but they have to have been around since at least the early 2000s, if not before. Uh, excuse my ignorance on that. Uh, so when you've been making beer that long, I would hope you kind of got it figured out. If you don't got it figured out, we're in trouble. Well, you wouldn't be here if you yeah, didn't figure it yeah. out. <laughs> uh, I remember, if my memory is correct, which I'm pretty sure it is, when I first came into this pub... There was maybe no food. I don't think there was food. I think there was just the bar, and you drank some beers, and they've got this whole back. So you come in, and there's the bar right there, and then there's this whole back room with kind of an ex- almost like an event room, but yeah, it's just overflow like tables. kids' play area. Yeah, yeah, and then there's these tables that we're sitting out here kind of by the back door, and there's this little patio, and they got a rooftop now. I'm pretty sure when I came in here, it was like just beer, and none of this was here. So it was like all blocked off. So it was just kind of that main bar area there, and you just stood around and drank pints. Well, before we get to the food, because that is a good transition, I just want to do the one the dark tray because we kind of oh yeah, my bad, I didn't mean to skip over that. Well, I think you did mean to skip <laughs> over it because you're still you're still not fully on board with me here. <laughs> uh, they got the, one of their flagships, Tree Hugger Porter, is on there. Uh, I think out of the four on there, the Espresso Stout is my favorite, which is a little bit of a surprise because they have a peanut butter pretzel porter on there, but it is cask, um, which is just makes it a little bit different. I'm kind of with you. I like cold carbonated a little bit more than the, the warm cask beers. I don't dislike it. It's just not not my go-to is I like the carbonated ones better. So I think the Stout is my favorite, and then I love the Tree Hugger Porter as well. It's a good classic that I've had multiple times and seen in stores, and, and it's one that I enjoy. I am all about the Triple Berry Winter Ale. I think that's really cool. It's 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 not. It's, I don't know. It's not sweet. It's not it's, sweet, but it's berry. the The body isn't, despite the color, the body isn't super heavy either, which I kind of like. I'm trying to see here. Two hundred pounds of fruit into the fermenter of raspberries, blueberries, and blackberries. Um, tiny amount of lactose to imitate a small dollop of vanilla ice cream. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but I don't find the body too heavy. I just find it full of flavor, like a lot. 
I get I get mostly of all the berries in it. I get mostly blueberries. I think is the mm-hmm. big one I'm tasting in it. Um, but for a beer with a crap ton of fruit in it, I kind of like it. I I really like it actually. I will say it's not my favorite of the twelve that we have, but that is not surprising to me because I don't love berry beers very much. But it's not as sweet as I thought. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would because I was expecting like this sweet bomb, yeah, the sugary fruit bomb, and it's not. You can taste the fruit in it, but it doesn't. It doesn't like it's not cloyingly sweet. I think one thing that's helping the sweetness and my palate personally, it's only 6.6%. I think if I explain this beer to you as a winter ale, I think people might assume it reaches 8, maybe even 9%. It is it is pretty easy drinking, though, yeah. for, for what it is especially. So that's the beer in front of us, and we do have food. Funny enough, we got the exact same burger. I don't think that was planned at all. No, no. Uh, I wasn't even going to get a burger. I was like, do I, what do I want? What do I want? I was like, oh, that burger sounds good. I think I want that. And then Mike was like, I'm getting this. I'm like, oh. I guess I am too. <laughs> Is that your thing? You, you feel like you have to order the same thing? No, no, no. I will say this, though, as a disclaimer. I, it drives me nuts. I was a server for a very, very long time, you know, and I still work in the, in, the, in the front of house industry. And it always drives me nuts when somebody, like if we're sitting down together and you order the burger and it's like, oh, that's what I was going to order. Sorry, I need a minute. I got to find something else. Why? <laughs> like, why do you have to go find something else? You just decided that's what you want, but you can't get the same thing that this guy wants. That that's ridiculous to me. I think you don't do that with beer. You know why? If I say, "Can I get the wood lager?" Mike's like, "Oh yeah, make that too." Like, you don't have a problem with that. But if I order the same burger, it's like, "Oh, whoa, this is awkward." You know, you know, because <laughs> I've done that before too. I do it with beer too, though. I don't like getting the same beer that someone else gets because. I think people want to try as much as they can when they go to a place, no matter what type of restaurant it is. So if you get multiple types of beers, you can sip on a couple of different ones if you're getting a pint only. Of course, that's what sample trays are for as well. And then food-wise, like if your significant other gets that burger and you're like, oh, I'll have a bite of hers, but I want to try, I also wanted to try this, now I can get both, right? That I understand, but that is somebody you're sharing food with. Like I see this all the time with like people just on like lunch things. Like lunch meetings, and it's like, I'm not sharing my food with you. I'm not splitting my burger in half and taking half of your wrap. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but most people, I think, do. Yeah, that's true. So if if that's what you saw on the menu and that's what you want, then get it. Like, what do you care? <laughs> I know. That is pretty interesting. And then you have to wait there or come back later, and you don't get the complete order, and it just right. kind of makes it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I need, I need another minute. I have to look. <laughs> You well, know, I'm people- vegan, and I was going to eat the only vegan thing on the menu, but that guy got the vegan thing, so now I'm going to order something non-vegan and make it vegan. All right, give me a minute. Sorry, <laughs> any of you people, a, that was a tangent. <laughs> any of you people out there who do that, listen to Patrick. Yeah, trust just, me. Just be easier on them. They'll be nicer to you for it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Going out is easy. Going out is so simple. Yes. you have somebody there doing the jo- every job, literally for everything for you while you. you sit there, minus chewing. Don't make it harder on them. Yeah. Absolutely. If you if if you're allergic to if you're allergic to garlic and onions, don't go out. Just don't go out. Everything has garlic and onions well, in people it. People like going out, Patrick. I, I'm sorry, your body doesn't. I'm not, I'm not allergic to either though. That's your, two, your body two of my favorite foods. Your body doesn't. So uh, the food is very good, by the way. Uh, they have garlic fries. I didn't get them today, but I've had them before. They're very quality garlic fries. The burger is really good. Uh, it's cooked to a good medium. This one we got has like bacon and onion strings on it, and a couple of different unique sauces, which is really cool. I like when burgers have like the house sauce on it. I think that's just a cool thing because you're like, oh, it's ketchup or mayo or aioli or whatever. Um, and then it's like, oh, this has Laurelwood sauce. You're like, yeah, I want to try what that is. 
could just be as simple as it's like a burger sauce, but um, like a ketchup and mayo combined. But I don't care because it has the name Laurelwood sauce, and I like that. And we simmered some beer into it. Yes. Every one of the burgers had some beer in it. Yeah. I like that about breweries. Yeah, it's like mustard. They, they use all their beer in their food, too. Yeah, like mustard always has a... Uh, Always has like some sort of pilsner in it or something like yeah. that. And everybody's like, "Yeah, we got beer mustard." This one has a uh, red, a uh, Laurelwood red barbecue sauce. I believe. Yeah, yep. I'm in on that. And there's another one that had the wood lager caramelized onions. Yep, couple burgers have wood long caramelized onions. Let's see here. Um, the wings are braised in wood lager. Got that free range barbecue on it. They actually, this is actually really easy to look through because. They have the beers that are in their stuff in different colors. So you can just say, oh, their pub fish and chips are beer-battered haddock in Workhorse IPA. There you go. And I don't have to, like, stall for time. Nice and easy. Yeah. Well, that's Laurelwood Brewing. There's they're, uh, one of their – it's two locations, right? Mm, there's one in Selwood. The one in Selwood's really cool, too, but I don't think they brew there. No. This is the original spot. Yeah, so this is the one that's on Northeast Sandy. And uh, come on by here if you haven't before. It's crazy if you haven't before, but if yeah, you it's really it's cool. A, it's a cool spot. It's right on the strip on Sandy. Easy Can't to get miss to. It. Uh, you know, if you're taking 84, you get off at Cesar Chavez and get on Sandy. And wham, bam, thank you, man. Pretty easy. Uh, great beer. Uh, this is my first time getting to try all of them here, and I'm wildly impressed. And the food is great too. So if you haven't been out here before, make a trip. And if you've been out here before but you haven't come because you've been too many times. Rekindle that love. Give a little uh, revisit to that yeah, love. I like doing that every once in a while. We try so many new places all the time. Go back to an old favorite. Yeah. Sometimes don't, don't I get just stuck with the new. Sometimes I just don't want to think about things, and I'm like, I know this is good. I'm just going there. Absolutely. All right. Coming up next, we still have our beer of the week coming up, of course, but we'll be talking to uh, John Burner, the head brewer here, next in the interview portion of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We've got the interview portion of the podcast now. John Berner, head brewer here at Laurelwood Brewing, is joining us. Uh, thank you for sitting down with us. Appreciate it. And for having us out. Hey, my pleasure. Um, I wanted to start here, and because we were talking about this a little bit in our first segment, you got, you're not like part of the OG breweries, but you're still one of the oldest breweries in the city. So you've got your core four beers. You've got your classic beers that people know you for. How do you ride that line between making sure you're still making those the same and people come in for those beers, they get that, but also experimenting and getting people to come in for new types of beers. How do you ride that line? Uh, it can be challenging. Um, I think most of our recipes are always revisiting as time goes on and making little tweaks here and there. Um, and, you know, we have our, our core beers that stay pretty close to the same, but we have uh, pretty broad um, abilities beyond that to do kind of whatever we want. So, I mean, if we have that flexibility, I mean, if we took away Workhorse tomorrow, there'd be a lot of upset people. Um, you know, we still like to drink it, too. Um, so kind of want to make everyone happy, the people who have been coming here for years and then hoping to, you know, keep bringing new people in. When you start, when you start uh, creating, creating new recipes, are you following the market or are you guys trying to still kind of stick to the Laurelwood brand, if that makes sense? Like, you guys don't make a hazy. I mean... Uh, we do make a hazy. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I just am looking at all these beers in front of me, everything on tap, and there's not a hazy, and I'm like, Laurel Wood, Laurel Wood. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 kind of whatever's left to our creative whims, and yeah, we're definitely looking at the market and um, looking for new exciting things to do. 
Yeah. Uh, we, we played around with hazies for quite a bit. Like, actually took us a long time to get something uh, that we were happy with. Mm -hmm. um, Kids These Days is the one we have in rotation almost all the time. Yeah. I actually just transferred some today, so that'll be on tap soon. Um, and then we have, like, you know, so an offshoot of that, we have a new beer, uh, Disco Brew Deck, that's kind of took the idea of a hazy using the same one and ale three yeast, juice yeast, and um, trying to make it something a bit more drinkable. So a drier finish, and uh, you know, even though we're pitching gelatin in it currently, it still ends up hazy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're happy with it because it's one that you can easily have several pints of if you want. I wonder. I wonder. Are you guys able because? you're such an established brewery here do you think you're able to take more risks on the brew side uh to because, because people know respect this brand and expect great things from you guys it kind of lets you reach out a little bit more than normal yeah i think we have a little leeway with that mm -hmm. for sure yeah um you know sometimes it's still hard to step away from you know we're known as like a brewery that focuses on hoppy beers um so it can be challenging to push those boundaries and you know i'd love to do more lagers and we do them here and there you know we have one on tap all the time but doing a more classic german pilsner like that's where what i want to drink most of the time what do i keep telling you mike <laughs> i know we he's been talking about this every single time every single time he goes somewhere he he asks a question like that you kind of answered it without asking it he goes i think the next big thing in portland is the german style beers he thinks everyone's going to go head first into that because it was hazy's and now it's going to be german and people are going to go into I mean, maybe not just German, but kind of traditional like lagers, the traditional lagers, the Vienna malts, the Belgian beers. That's going to just explode in the Portland beer scene. I think that's true. I think there's um, some great examples out there right now. I love it. I mean, there's so many great beers to choose from. Um, I think that just because so many breweries have been pushing the boundaries on what they make and cause people to rethink what they think about beer and revisiting things that like, you know, hey, a lager is not just fizzy yellow, nothing that right. granddad drank, you know. Not that there's not a time and a place for, uh, you know, a Rainier or what have you. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ground to cover in lagers and, um, yeah. Do you ever tweak or change the recipe of the core beers? Or do you do you feel like you you have to be regimented and keep it the same so people who come in for that beer know what they're getting? Or do you ever just, like, kind of do, like, a little something here just to change a little flair into the beer? We are always tweaking little things here and there i mean our, our core beers don't get as much of that but certainly you know over time you know oh we're using the hop back for free range red are we not we played around with that we tried to dry hop once and decided uh you know it's not free range red people are used to and love so don't want to tweak that our workhorse is a great example of one we've had to change numerous times and it's not necessarily we're trying to make a different beer out of it it's that you know every year your hop varieties change and like the availability changes and so it's kind of a moving target we're trying to make basically the same beer and uh you know along the along the way if we can improve things we certainly would i like i like that aspect i mean i think i think just because of the way people's palates change and the way brew systems change and just yeah like everything you said you kind of have to focus a little bit I was interested um, on that. I want to talk about because you guys used to to make all of these beers. I mean, this is your only brew facility here, right? Correct. How big is the brew system here? It's a 15-barrel system. 15-barrel. And how many, how many fermenters do you have? Uh, nine fermenters. Nine fermenters. So to make the amount of free range and the amount of workhorse, you guys contract out, don't you? Uh, we've gone back and forth with that over time. Mm -hmm. um, 
And yeah, currently we are contract brewing again. Our partner brewers are Ninkasi, um, and that's going back to like the the freedom we have as brewers. Uh, with them doing, they're only doing um, packaged workhorse and free mm-hmm. range, some kegs as well. Um, but we're still making both of those beers here. In addition, um, everything we serve on tap is brewed here, and uh, yeah, it's really nice. We're really happy with what they're putting out. Um, you know, they took a little tweak in here or there to get it right where we wanted it, and now we have the freedom to do just about anything. That's what I was going to say. It has to because you know, for the for the brewery that I work for. You know, I see those guys are pumping Pilsner and IPA all day, every day. And we're lucky to have those smaller places to do other projects in. But it's got to be nice to just alleviate so you're not doing, you know, three batches of workhorse in one day and that's your day. You know, you can kind of bounce around a little bit. Yeah, it can start to feel a bit like a factory job after mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. It's not feeling like that right now. And awesome. Loving Perfect. it. Perfect. Is it, does it add kind of a difficult quality control thing? You mentioned you had to tweak it a couple times with Ninkasi to get them to do exactly what you wanted. Is that something that, that is it add stress or is it just like a temporary thing until it gets figured out or, or how does that kind of go for your, for your daily day? I mean, I suppose there's, there's always a little bit of stress, you know. There's the timelines, and there's a lot of beer being made in the meantime. Um, but they were great to work with, and, uh, you know, it was only minor tweaks. And uh, having tasting panels try things, and, you know, we're picking out differences that no one else is. So yeah. at some point it just becomes nitpicking, and then you kind of have to decide, okay, this is uh, this is good. And now you've got new family. Yeah. Now Ninkasi's part of yeah, the family. exactly. Yeah. And, uh Side note about that, their first pitch of yeast they got from us. Oh. So it's kind of a cool little... Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. When they first opened, the yeah. first pitch of yeast. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I like cool. that, though. That's like, that's like story time stuff. I, I mean, like that's that. everything we've talked about is how yeah. everyone supports each other in this area. You got you to gotta support each other. And, and if someone is like, hey, can I, can I get some of this? Like, you've talked about this before. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. And it just becomes kind of like this great mm-hmm. symbiotic relationship between everybody. Uh, John Burner, head brewer, Laurelwood Brewing, joining us now on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. So you have two project beers on the menu right now on the tap list. You've got your Rando and you've got your Pale Project. Pale Project is at number 47 and the Rando is number 28. I guess just how fun is it to be able to have the creative outlet to continue to make new beers in the same realm and, and tweak it and kind of come out with new stuff? And um, what do you actually get to play around with in those two two styles? Uh, it kind of depends on uh, each batch, but generally it's, you know, we can, we can tweak anything we want. Um, the current Rando IPA is something we've been doing a few times in a row just because we're trying to tweak it and... I'm um, hoping it'll eventually become a package product. Um, so that one's just minor tweaks here and there. Um, and the pail is just every every time starting from scratch. And oh, what do we like about that last one? That was really nice. You want to do something similar? Oh, let's do something totally different. Okay, sure. That was kind of the next question I was going to ask. Like, It sounds like you guys use them for both reasons. Because I was going to ask, what's the goal of this? Is the goal to find a new consistent beer that you, like you said, you might package, or is it to just keep messing around? It sounds like you don't, there's no answer to that. You guys are okay with either. We can just keep messing around with this. Yeah, we can just keep messing around with this series, or we can develop this series to be a final product someday. It's it's always been a bit of both. Well, Um, and it's nice because, you know, people aren't necessarily trying Rando 48 or whatever the number is at the time and expecting a certain beer. Looking at my untapped, <laughs> I like 36 more than 40. Yeah, 36.5 is really, <laughs> really what I liked. 
Uh, the other thing too is you guys are you guys are big enough now that you you sponsor events. Like I know you guys are sponsoring December to Remember right now. What does that do for you guys? Is it tough to do that? Is it is it a difficult thing to be the official beer of an event? Um, does it? Do you notice it making a huge impact on like people coming in the door or people drinking Laurelwood Brewing? We, we've not, we haven't sat with anybody yet who does the sponsorship stuff, so it's kind of a curious thing for me. Um, you know, it doesn't make things too much more difficult, just other than having to scramble once in a while around an event or oh, we got to get that beer ready, got to get that out the door. Um, you know, it's really just a great opportunity to get people out there that maybe, like, forgot about Lowerwood. Hey, we're still here, guys. Still making <laughs> beer. Pretty pretty good beer, I think. Um, yeah, it's just a great chance to get out there, uh, revitalize the name, introduce ourselves to new people. I mean, there's so much competition out there right now. It's, uh, you know, hey, try this. Who's going to turn down a free beer sample? And uh, hopefully it'll be f you'll find something to like. we got uh, some good variety. Yeah. Uh, I got one. One of my one of the last things I want to ask you about is I don't know if you have any control over this, but I sit down and I see this, and it, it kind of nerds me out for a second. I've never seen another brewery that puts your OG Play-Doh levels on the menu. Um, I don't know. Do you know the reason behind why you guys choose to disclose that? Because I don't know how many people walking in know what that means. I don't know what it means. <laughs> what is OG Play-Doh level? Uh, it's the original Gravity, so it's you know how much potential alcohol there is at the beginning of a brew. Um, you know, really, it's just um, it's another metric to look at. Yeah. Uh, I think most people are not going to really care about that. Um, you know, it's something I, I glance at. I mean, it's, I think you certainly could say a similar thing about IBUs. Right. Yeah, I it's definitely really, agree it's with It's a that. good reference point. It's really not that valuable of a metric for Agreed. anything. Um, but it, it looks nice my, on a board. Yeah, it made my day to look down, and I was like, oh, you know, this Disco Brew Deck has a 15-degree Play-Doh OG. I was like, oh, cool. Right, but I guess with the IBUs, it gives me a general idea. Like, I'll look at your Megafauna Imperial IPA, see 100 IBU. Oh, okay, it's going to be a, a bitter, hoppy IPA. Sure. But all of these Play-Doh numbers are so close to each other. Like, 15 degrees, 15, 18, 15.4, 13.5. Is the range just that much smaller, or, or what is it? You know why, Michael? Because you're thinking the you're thinking like an American. <laughs> you're thinking like Fahrenheit. Yeah. Start thinking Celsius. Oh, okay. So thirty degrees Celsius. I am an American. Though, and so thirty-two degrees Celsius are quite different. Okay. You see what I mean? All right. So okay, so help help the common beer drinker out. If I'm looking at seasons change and I see eighteen degrees Plato OG. Layman's terms that for me. What what does that mean for that beer? She said the original gravity, but right. I mean, it's it's just a piece of the puzzle. It's only going to tell you so much. Yeah. It gives you an idea of like the starting, the potential strength of it. I mean, yeah. So it's the lighter the, the beer, the, the lower it's the, the density number. of your wort, basically. Yes. Okay, but the lighter the number, or the lighter the beer, the lower the number. Is that where I'm going? It, I think it more corresponds with ABV. Yes, and okay. it, you, that would be an important part of the puzzle. If you could look at your ABV, look at your starting gravity, that might give you a better idea of like. Oh, it's not that high of an original gravity, but the ABV is really high. So this must be a super dry beer. Mm. Um, okay. Look, versus looking at an imperial stout or something that's maybe both, but you know, it's not 
dry. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's really not that helpful of information for most people. But the nerd in me likes it. Yeah, like, the nerd in me loves it too. And 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 Mike, you know, Mike. I'm just trying to learn. That's yeah, all. Mike. Mike loves beer, but we're uh, we we get to use. Mike only does this podcast to learn about beer. That's really all it is. <laughs> and that's so, a good excuse. And like so we, yeah. we we have a lot of fun. Kind of uh, that's kind of the, the fun dynamic between the two of us is that. Mike's able to learn, and we hope to, to share that and be informative with, with our listeners. Well, John Brenner, head brewer, Laurelwood Brewing, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Nice talking with you. You want to stick around and do the beer of the week with us as well? Sure, I'd love you to. You got time for a beer? Uh, I could probably make time for a beer. Yeah, all okay, right. There we cool. go. That's coming up next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. One final segment to go here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. John's sticking around with us to do the beer of the week this week. It was a choice between two. And before we actually do the beer of the week, I want to just give a little love to the season's change, which was the the silver medalist, if you will, in our beer of the week this week, the runner-up. This beer is absolutely wild. We already mentioned it in the first segment. It is a dark beer in a caramel body. And it's got chocolate, and it's got vanilla, and it's a winter beer, but it's it, it's not black, and it doesn't. It I would expect it to be like a jet black beer. This is one of the craziest beers I've had this whole winter season. What uh what what's the base beer of this? Yeah. So the base beer is um like a uh, an amber. It's uh, the same base beer more or less. I don't think we tweaked it much from our pumpkin ale. Oh okay, and uh, that was kind of the jumping off point for that. Um, we have a lot of the same spicing that we put in the pumpkin beer. Um, and as far as I know, it's the first beer we've uh, used rum barrels for. So kind of alternating between rum and whiskey barrels and really liked what the combination brought to it. it you got the chocolate on the nose. You got the vanilla in the middle. And spices I actually on the back. I take the spices. But when, when you mentioned the rum barrel, I taste a little bit of the rum in there, too, at the end, too. I feel like right now the rum flavor is really coming out. I yeah. kind of really like where it's at right now. So Adds a touch of sweetness to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a it's, sugar. It's, it is a bit of a bomb. Like, it's really flavorful. Mm-hmm. But it, at least to me, as someone who likes rich beer, it doesn't knock me over with, like, with how rich it is. Because it, it's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit more drinkable with all those interesting flavors. In it, it. It's a book to me. There's a cover in the nose, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I like that. That's a solid Tells beer. Tells a story. That's a solid beer to me. But our beer of the week this week is going to be the Rando, the number 28 to the Disco Brew Deck. And uh, this was one that uh, that John said that he was drinking a lot of right now that he would suggest. And we were also leaning towards this as well. And, um, yeah, so let's go. Let's taste it. You can give us your, your tasting notes, your nose, and your, your uh, middle and your back end. And uh, it... I'm curious, because you said this was essentially a hazy that wasn't hazy, right? You were doing yeah. things to it to make it not hazy, but it kind of started off as a hazy beer? Um, it, we're using the same yeast we use and most people use for their hazy ales. Um, but we went out of our way to try to keep it as clear as possible. We just mm-hmm. weren't going for a hazy. We wanted to bring some of that same, I hate to say it, juicy characteristic. Yeah. Um, some of that mouthfeel and those nice fruity esters that the the, uh, yeast brings. Um, But we wanted to make it something that dried out more and uh, just make it more drinkable. I think I I cannot commend and thank you enough for that. You know, know, if you listen to this podcast, you understand that I am very skeptical and I'm very basically kind of anti the hazy movement, mostly because it has the words, the letters IPA attached to it. I want some bitterness. I want dry. I want hops. 
that kind of stuff. Um, I really like, we're, I think we're starting to see people take this approach that you guys have taken with this in the make it drinkable for the hazy IPA drinker, but let's keep some of the integrity of the IPA that we've worked so hard to craft and master. And that's what this beer kind of reminds me of. You know, it's it's got a clear body, it's dry, it's got some bitterness on the end. You can taste the hops in it. I'm about to ask you what the hops are. Uh, yet it doesn't it doesn't put down any of those flavors by having this thick, juicy kind of soft body to it. And I, that's that's why I gravitated towards this. That is a good point. Thick, juicy. When you have a hazy IPA, it almost at least some of the ones that I've had because I'm kind of with Patrick. I don't love hazies either. It almost tastes like you're eating a piece of fruit. It's almost got like that uh, that pulpiness to it sometimes in a hazy beer. Like it's so thick, and this doesn't have that at all. And I'm with Patrick on that. I it's very crisp and easy. It is dry, which I like. And uh, there is a little bit of that fruit flavor, which you kind of get towards the back end of the beer, at least to me. But um, I'm with Patrick on this. It is it is a drinkable beer that I think would both please hazy lovers and people who just want to have a good IPA. What are the hops you use in this? Uh, Comet is the star. Oh, what's up? Yeah. Hi, buddy. But uh, Chinook, and I believe there's some Equinod in there as well. Um, offhand, I forget what else is oh, in there. You're good, uh, you're good. But Comet's your featured hop in it? Yes. And I see you guys are using, um, let's see, Flaked Rice and Vienna Malt? That's correct. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't seen anybody trying to whether they're making a hazy or give that kind of juicy flavor use the vienna malt what is this part of the experimental aspect of the rando series or what what made you decide to use vienna malt in this beer well we wanted something to provide a little maltiness but was still you know be nice and dry um kind of shying away from crystal malts um interestingly like this style kind of came from two different styles, um, taking some of the things we really liked about uh, hazy IPAs, and then we had played around with brewed IPAs, mm-hmm. you know, going back to like seeing what's happened in the marketplace. That right. was something that was really fun to play yep. around with. Yeah, I imagine. Um, but, you know, that's a super dry beer, but yet is really drinkable and has some qualities, you know, some juiciness, um, things that just keep it from being dry and boring, not like a hop water. Um, so yeah, trying to bridge the gap between those two styles, and uh, I think uh, you know we're gonna we got another batch coming up, and we're just still tweaking a little bit, but I uh, really like where it's going. You so, like the direction this is headed? Yeah. You think this could be potentially a, a a packaged beer? Yeah, yeah. So where was twenty seven then? So this is random number twenty eight. Where was twenty seven that was different from this one? What did? Because you were saying that this has kind of been a couple of progressions moving this way what was different in the last version of this that you changed uh well it wasn't 27 we basically just have done 28 a few times now Uh, i'm trying to think of what we changed a little bit uh the grist changed a tiny bit we put a little less flake rice in that was uh partially a happy accident but we like where it ended up um changed the water chemistry a bit kind of bumped up the chloride level um yeah and i just think that gives it a a little fuller body while still being nice and dry, if that makes sense. What are you looking for next? Like, if you have to go back and t- tweak this again, what are the what are the parts of it that you really liked? I love the body. The body almost has kind of a lager feel in my mouth. Not a taste necessarily, mm-hmm. but a lager feel in my mouth, which is keeping it really light and crushable. Um, yeah, what's the next step for you, do you think? 
I think the next batch um, is going to be pretty similar. Yeah. I think uh, I don't know how much we're actually going to change. Might tweak the water chemistry a little bit, but um, we're all really happy with how this one turned out. So trying to keep it pretty much the same. Well, that's good. We uh, chose it for beer of the week. Yeah. And you like where it is. So you're so going to be able to get this almost exactly the same it'd, when it'd you be come be really here. funny if we had this beer and you're like, what's next? And you're like, we're actually going to revamp the hop structure <laughs> to it, ditch the Vienna malt, and, no. and we think it'll be great. We hate everything about this beer, so it really reflects poorly on your personal chase. Um, but, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's good. Call me out. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do a little uh, taster? You want to give us your own personal nose and uh, palate for this beer? Uh, sure. What are you What are you getting when you uh, when you take a sip? Because this is one I'm having trouble with this on the palate for me mm -hmm. because it is just very kind of crisp and smooth. And you, I like that you said lagery feel because that's kind of how it is to me too. It's it's easy to drink. It is crushable. You could drink this a lot and quickly if you really wanted to. You, you could also enjoy it, but you could drink it quickly if you wanted to. I'm having trouble kind of with my palate on this one. Yeah, it, it's an interesting comment, the lager comment. Um, I hadn't really thought that much about it, but I kind of see what you're what you're saying there with some of the Pilsner malt that's in it as well as the Vienna. And more of the feel than the flavor. I mean, I don't get a mm -hmm. ton of, like, lager flavor out right. of it. I mean, it's, it's just an the ale to me. Yeah. yeah, it's just how it kind of rests. I like to look at my palate, you know, and this is what I chat with Mike about all the time is nose, front, middle, and back. And in that middle, it's just so... I don't want to say soft because it's so because this beer's so dry and has some great hop character to it. In the middle, it just kind of rests in my palate really easily, and I think that's what's kind of drawn me to this. So, did you find anything in there with your sip? What are you uh, What are you thinking of for your nose and your front, middle, and back? Uh, you know, I get a lot of uh, dank and citrusy hops on the nose. Something um, you know, tweaking the hops a little bit. Kind of really like where that landed. I think a lot of that's the comment we were talking about. Um, yeah, mid palate. I'm trying to figure out like the smoothness you're talking about. I, I think it's that that pilsner malt and also uh, the flaked rice is helping. Mm -hmm. It kind of dries it out, but also lends a little body to it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the body is lacking by any means. I really like where the body is. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, the first version we did ended up being, um, per per perception wise, a bit drier. That's why we like ended up bumping the chloride ratio up. And uh, I think we reduced the amount. There's Eldorado hops in there as well, which I like, but can be a little harsh sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of tweak that amount a little bit. Um, but still getting some of that. Uh, I don't know. I get some like a little bit of watermelon usually from Eldorado that I, I really like playing with other hops and you know, a little mosaic that's kind of in there too. I think it's interesting because I, besides the comet kind of stands out, but all the other hops just kind of blend into a. A mix that's hard to balance it out. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm excited to hopefully kind of gain in my palate as we keep doing this is the, the ability to discern between the different hop flavors. I can tell mosaic. I, I've I've already said that that's my favorite one, and I like that one a lot. And I can tell when I have a mosaic, but beyond that, I guess maybe citra because it's citrusy. Sure. But I'd love to be able to kind of say like, oh, that tastes like this hop, and be able to like, oh, that's right, yeah. Well, the good that's, news, that's a tough one for me. Yeah, the good news is, is it's going to be an, an ever-fighting battle because, I mean, we were, we were talking earlier. I don't remember if we were doing it on, on the air or not, but we were talking about uh, crops, like crops change from year to year. And, you know, this mosaic crop you got from this hop farm, the next year might have some different things to it. So, I mean, like even the hops are ever-changing. Then you can still kind of say, yeah, I get this from El Dorado, but next year's batch you might get a little less, you might get a little more. It's always a... Just such a constant battle. 
Well, it, it's a, sorry, it's not even farm to farm. I mean, or a year to year. It's it's farm to farm. It's yeah. region to region. It's uh, you know an Amarillo grown in the Willamette Valley tastes pretty different than one grown in the Yakima Valley. Um, so yeah, that's another thing where it's trying to pick out a particular hop. Mosaic still stands out to me. It's pretty unique, and there are a few others, but uh, yeah, they can just vary so much. Well, that's our beer of the week this week. It is uh, the Disco Brew Deck, one of their rando IPA series here at Laurelwood. Uh, thank you, John, for sitting in and having us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, next week, not 100% sure what we're doing yet. we got a couple of ideas floating around. Kicking some stuff around. Uh, but that'll be dropping uh, next week, Thursday, 4 o'clock. Remember, radio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, 1080thefan.com is where you can find the podcast, social media, at MikeLynch27 on Twitter, at PDD085 on Instagram. Whoa. What? Nothing. I just wanted to say whoa. Oh, <laughs> and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. There you go. Uh, re- uh, rate, subscribe, review, wherever you find us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. You'll be surprised like we will when we uh, find out what the topic it is. But uh, we'll see you then. Deuces. Deuces.